0: Welcome to the Boost podcast with me Graham Farmer. Today we've got a very interesting conversation. Within about a minute we are talking about acid and a story pertaining to that. And we end on a pretty gruesome story about a tour driver murdering people whilst they were whilst they were whilst the band that he is in or owns was on tour. So it goes everywhere it's really good fun i'm i'm really excited to have mr barry ashworth i aka dub pistols on the podcast this week please note if you if you have sensitive ears there is swearing talks of drug misuse and everything between in this podcast so uh please don't get offended i hope you enjoy it i hope you learn something because he's a very knowledgeable man uh i welcome barry hey barry how's it going
1: Very good, thank you. Looks thank you. Right wet and miserable outside, but um, nice to be in the uh, nice to be in the studio talking to yourself.
0: Yeah, so I we went for a run this morning. And it was throwing it down like we looked out the window and we're like,
1: should we go out? Yeah,
0: okay, let's go.
1: I think during the start of lockdown, um, which was in March, obviously I would just literally flown back from uh, New Zealand and Panama, um, and I was in the middle of a jungle a uh, um, tribal gathering, surrounded by a load of people on acid. And uh, the military came in and uh, said, uh, uh, we're sh- sh- shutting down the festival due to COVID. Um, COVID wasn't really a thing then, but I kind of got a, you know, it's sort of been bubbling away. And I got an inkling that something might be wrong. The promoter was like, no, 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 they're just here to collect their money. Um, they'll be paid and be on their way. Um, Which, to be fair enough, the music did start back up again. But I just had a feeling, don't know why, I got a feeling that this might take a turn for the worst. And I literally got the production office to phone me a taxi in the middle of the um, jungle in Panama and got the first taxi and the last plane out of uh, Panama and got back home. And, uh, And that was it, the start of lockdown. Where I was going with this, was the fact that at that time, um, summer had just started, the weather was fantastic, and being in lockdown didn't seem so bad, seeing as I'd left West London, I'd moved out to the countryside and I could go for like long, long walks. Mm -hmm. Winter is now kicking in, and the thought of not performing, not going to the other side of the world to tour, and uh, yeah, just the way things are, are starting to weigh heavy on my mind.
0: Do you, is that is that a, a regular thing? Do you go away, at, away in the winter period for, to tour abroad?
1: Yeah, I mean, generally, um, a year for me will start, I mean, we normally tour at least 11 months of the year, whether it's with the band or myself DJing. Um, I normally tour right up till Christmas, mm-hmm. and then I'll take three weeks, at least in Thailand, some of which will be work, some of which will be... Um, <coughs> A holiday, I used to spend six weeks to two months there, but I used to go to a different island every week and every other day and DJ. But since I got married and uh, I've hit a certain age, my wife um, is, you know, she's like, she doesn't want to be dragged around islands and to nightclubs every other day. So I actually have a holiday now, do you know what I mean? So I need it myself, so I have a break. Um, But then that will normally then go on from, the wife will go home, I'll go to New Zealand and and, and um, other parts of the world and that's I'll normally come back sort of March and then I'll do the end of the ski season up in the Alps um, and be DJing around there. End up um, performing at Snow Bombing in one guise or the other whether it's live or DJing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then come back to a UK tour, a European tour, festivals then another UK european tour. and then the you know and that, I've done that for probably the best part of 20 plus years um so this is the weirdest 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 time that I can possibly imagine being in one place
0: yeah i bet i bet cuz uh, yeah if you're if that's a big if that's a big chunk of your year it's like what have you replaced it with like have you done the live stream thing have you done is that Yeah part- I,
1: I haven't been one of those people that um I've been out, you know, raising money or doing them um, um, at one set time a, a week. Um, I've been doing a lot of work for charity this year, which has really been my saviour. Um, most of my streams uh, I've been doing for tonic music for mental health. Um, um, because I've just done a wing walk, which Bez um, and a lot of other artists got involved in. We just raised £27,000 doing that.
0: Oh, Amazing. Um,
1: so that was incredible. Um I did a big thing for uh, Save the Black Rhinos, which is to help save the last captive, you know, last um, black rhinos uh, running wild in in Africa. So that was, I think we've done, raised 15,000 for that. Mm -hmm. And I've done a lot of sort of, um, not a lot, but streams um, for festivals that have really struggled this year before the grants and everything was handed out. So I was kind of doing those. and they, but they've just been at will. Like I said, I haven't done one, uh, regularly every Friday night or every Sunday afternoon. Mm. I kind of done them as and when I felt like doing them. I'd just suddenly pop up online or announce <laughs> thing before that I was going to do them. Um,
0: I like, I like the beauty of that you're able to do that. You're able to go, we're going live tomorrow, come and watch, and and, and kind of it happens, you know. I, I like that kind of nowness of a, of a live stream,
1: yeah. And I, you know, I was kind of a bit nervous about doing them and i wasn't sure about doing them and some of them i've just been um i was just laying in my back garden drunk decided to pull my equipment out and just started streaming um, <coughs> i live in a little village and they thought i was ending an illegal rave um, <laughs> so um but yeah no it it's been a really i can't like i said doing the festival work has really, been a, um, has really been my saviour this year,
0: mm.
1: you know, because it's given me something to focus on, it's given me something to do. Um, and I think most people really, so many artists I've spoken to have really struggled mentally through this, quite reasonably, you know, quite understandably. They've lost their livelihood, mm. they've lost their purpose in life, um, and they just don't know what to do with themselves, and and there's no end in sight. So an artist being artists as well, um, temperamental, Souls and uh, things that they are um,
0: delicate flowers. Delicate sometimes
1: flowers that they can be. <laughs> I mean, I like quite. You know, I'm a chancing fuckwit, so um, you know, I'm always been happy to get away with it. And uh, but like I said, doing the actual the the the, the, um, the charity work has definitely been my saviour because there has been moments where it's been up and down. I can't lie. I like everybody else. So I've definitely had my moments of depression through this.
0: It's not great to hear, but I'm glad you've I'm glad you've found a, a nice outlet.
1: I think I think the racial thing around George Floyd really made it hit home. On top of the COVID, I think that was a really particularly dark moment when you had to look around at the world and you saw how divided and everything was and it kinda of, that really hit home to me.
0: Yeah, I think I think everyone was it was like it was a time when everyone was going, let's pull it's like everyone's trying to pull together and do be be in lockdown together and then and then you have Things like that happening, which just completely like it's not at all. It's you're you're still for your, you're still on your own, you know. It's...
1: I think you really realised, like you know, as far as we've come, how far we still have got to go. And I mean, obviously, we're all aware of racism in its many different forms and guises. But that really did hit home. And, I, and the, the one thing about the internet and social media, it does bring out the very best in people, but it also brings out the very worst in people. And I know I've seen a lot of people um, this year that have left social media because they can't handle it. Do you know Mm. what I mean? It's like for, you know, the trolling and the um, fighting and for every argument, there's a counter argument. For every protest, there's a counter protest. Everybody's an expert on everything. And I I think (laughs) a lot of people have really struggled um, to, 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 to deal with it.
0: Yeah, a lot. I've like I've left. I've not really left Facebook. I just don't go on it anymore. I'm still on it. That's left. <laughs> it, It's kind of it's kind of like I I'm I'm not deleting my page. I just I've moved the app so it's not on my screen, so I don't look at it. And just because I go on there, it's just like
1: it's a drug.
0: It was just full of people being negative and just arguing, and and it's just like it's ridiculous sometimes
1: would that i mean that's what i'm saying it brings out the best and worst and i think a lot of people because they just couldn't see it was bringing them down it was confusing people and it's just like mm. yeah um if you're that way inclined i mean i i i don't tend to get into arguments with people and and if someone wants to kick off on me i'll just laugh at them yeah you know i, what I mean, it's like really I, mean, I don't claim to be an expert on anything i have an opinion um, I don't generally run that run that down people's throats, but if I don't, if I'm not agreeing with someone, I'll either unfriend them, unfollow them, or just ignore them completely, which really pisses them off.
0: Yeah, the the, the best thing is the best thing is people arguing is going into arguments when on on a social media. When the more comments you put on a post, the more people can see it, and therefore. Therefore it gets more heat basically. And and the best like the, the best thing to do is if you don't agree with someone is just literally put nothing because then it shrinks the reach and then no one sees it and it's
1: just ignore them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just ignore them. Exactly, it's like exactly I think I think it's quite I think the hardest bit is when it's friends and you really thought you knew them and um they suddenly show their true colours and it really isn't attractive.
0: Yes, I agree. Um that's 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 amazing that you've been doing that stuff for mind i'm really that's really cool um i want to talk about the album you have a new album i've been listening to it it's great i know shelly's i know shelly my 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 shelly my other half does all of our drum and bass and she was been raving about it all week so she uh, she uh she uh, she's very impressed so yeah let's just talk about the album let's talk about how it comes together let's talk about stories fun stories um You've worked with a lot of artists on it which is like there's some big names on there so let's just jump into it all i guess
1: yeah i mean i've been kind of lucky enough i guess over the career of um what is it 97 98 the first dub pistols record and during that period i've been lucky enough to work with everyone from terry all from the specials horace andy gregory isaacs buster rhymes Linville golding Um, I mean, the list is kind of endless over the years. So it's something I've always done is to bring in various different collaborators. Um, And on this one, as you probably know, there's like, you know, Ragga Twins, um, Shawnee T, Lindy Layton, Cheshire Cat, um, Rhoda Dacca, who is another, obviously, specials connection, um, General Joe Mikey, Horseman. So, you know, it's just continuing in that vein of um, just bringing in other people. I kind of like to bring in other people, because I I think it always brings something special to the party. It makes life difficult when you go out live and people, but kind of our crowd now know that when we go to a Dub Pistol show, that the version that's on the record of the track that you've heard is not the version we're going to (laughs) play live. So it's like we're constantly remixing or doing reversions when we do it live, but it kind of works, because it means you're always going to get a fresh version.
0: Yeah, it must be nice for you because you obviously you're playing the same records all the time. It must be nice to kind of just make it that little bit special each time, a little bit different each time and just go with and see where it goes.
1: It is. And the other good thing is when we do get the guests, because quite often we'll get one or two guests in, that it always keeps the show fresh. And it always means that those people, instead of... If you're surrounded by the same people all your life or all your time or all your career, then you tend to get on top of each other and things can fall apart and... And so the, the fact that I can always keep chat, like I have a squad. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like you know, it's like having a football team with twenty-two players, and I can keep bringing players in, or if someone's away, then I can change the lineup. So that kind of keeps it fresh, and it keeps us from killing each other.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> when did you start making this album? This isn't a well, lockdown album, is it?
1: No, that, I don't think that's true. It's not true. I mean, some of it was made during lockdown. Um, I started recording it probably three years ago to be honest but I wrote nearly three albums in that period so and I was kind of struggling with whether or not it should be I had enough drum and bass tracks to make a jungle album or a drum and bass album I had enough tracks just to make a pure out reggae album enough tracks to make a ska album and it was kind of like I just thought I'd do what Dub Pistols always do which kind of make it a journey so it was just it was just picking those tracks in the same way that you'd pick a DJ set and working out what flowed nicely so I mean I've already got the next one lined up
0: oh wow so yeah let's just so I mean how do you like, obviously you've got all these tracks what's the process what's the thought process behind when you're kind of building this out this is our obviously the um, 11 tracks so how did that how did that thought process go did it do you want to start at a certain pace to pay? obviously this one starts Drum and bassy, doesn't it? So it's it so yeah, fast. That,
1: that was you know, was it that was only after playing um, I guess it's like when you're doing a lineup on a festival and you sit down with a like I think I'd wrote forty I think we'd written 40 tracks. And so then it was kind of like a process of elimination, the same way that you'd do a festival lineup if you haven't got a spreadsheet and I'm not a <laughs> spreadsheet man, with bits of paper and just rearranging the way it lined up and then keep listening to it and um, <clears throat> changing the way. And to be honest. You know, every day it would change the lineup, the tracks that I was going to use, the tracks that I weren't going to use. Every track you make, you feel like it's got to be the best track you've ever made. It can't all be like that, obviously, but that's what's in your thought process. Mm. And every so, it constantly changes. And then the tracks you listen to them too much, and then you don't like them anymore. <laughs> yes, you know, it's the same as anything. It's just the way it is. So and then you leave them for a while and then you come back to and go, actually, that's a good track. Mm. You know, it's it it, it it takes quite a while to actually work out what's going to go on and what's going to go off. Um, first of all, is just keep writing.
0: Do you find that breathing room kind of helps, like, I guess having that bit of breathing room between like listening, making, listening and not just kind of going, made it, put it out, made it, put it out. It it, it helps you kind of get a better track and kind of get a better album. <sighs>
1: I guess so, (laughs) Um, I think the thing with this album was that I didn't want to rush it in terms of, I didn't want to just get 10 or 11 tracks and say that's it, that's the album, Mm -hmm. I wanted to carry on making tracks, but at the same time as as I was doing that, I was also looking at my options of how and when I wanted to release it, so instead of... I didn't want to, I felt with Crazy Diamonds I really rushed that album and there was a couple of things I would have changed on it, given the chance. On this one, I didn't want to rush making the record. I didn't want to rush putting the record out. I want to explore what options I had and when the best time that would suit me rather than what would suit the record label mm. and, and by the tracks we had. So, you know, I'd been sitting on this record for a long time yeah. and, and explore different ways of the way we wanted to put it out
0: has the has that kind of process obviously changed because there's like obviously you'd normally put an album out and then tour it what's what's that process look like now because obviously there is you can't essentially
1: <laughs> well <laughs> <clears throat>
0: have you done things differently like when you're when you're thinking like I'm going to put this album out but I need to do this this and this
1: I think well I think don't think the pro... I made a decision in February possibly February when the album was going to be released. The album was... We had an amazing year lined up. Mm -hmm. A really incredible year of of, of dates, a a record-breaking number of shows for us and a record-breaking number of headline festivals. And as you probably know, I've got started my own festival last year, Mucky Weekend.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And I had a massive master plan um, in my head of um, the way that we were going to tour this album throughout the year, When we would start releasing tracks and then um the the finale would be that we would put the album out on the week of our festival Mm -hmm. and not only would that be a fantastic end to the year it would also be the biggest giant in store yes possibly do do you know what <laughs> i mean so yeah,
0: yeah you literally you literally can
1: put artwork, artwork around the whole site it's the whole site plus we'll sit there with a the card machine and we'll um sell um records at our own festival yeah and Fucking happy days yeah and, um, and,
0: and put streaming those spotify streaming things all over and, and just and that would have so been it and it'd
1: be cool arms and <laughs> um so that was kind of that was my big plan um and that obviously went wrong once the pandemic happened but it's it's so typical of everything if you've ever followed the dub pistols career my company's called what the fuck could possibly go wrong limited um and that's a true and the, you know our catchphrase is what could possibly go wrong the history of the dub pistols everything mm-hmm. um and it was just typical yeah it was just typical that the year that we finally got our act together uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you laugh, but like we have a documentary called Coming Out called What Could Possibly Go Wrong? The History of the Dub Pistols. And even that was supposed to come out again at the same time. And it was, it's a really quite sad, sad, sad documentary. Mm. It's very hilariously funny, very brutally honest. Um, but anybody knows the, the the band, you know, we've been through that sort of sex, drugs, and rock and roll and had a massive highs and some incredible lows. Um, and the documentary, in the same way, was, was supposed to be suddenly where everything had finally gone right for us. Mm. You know, like having gone through all these lows, have, having gone through all these highs, all these lows, all these ups, all these downs, that finally we got our act together. Um, we'd stopped being um, the, the, the clowns that we were, because it used to be very much sex, drugs and rock and roll and then the show later. Um, and finally we'd started focusing on our music and the performances and everything was going really well, you know, we're selling out all around the world, uh, the, you know, the music was speaking for itself, we'd built up a really good sort of strong following and it was just, you know, the end was um, the, you know, our festival, and we finally sail off into the sunset, <laughs> winning. yes. Well, of course, that whole documentary has now got a whole different ending because, in True Dub Pistol style, there is now a global pandemic. Do you know what I mean? Just as you thought, what could possibly go wrong? Ah, uh, yeah, well, global well, pandemic. The, so well, there, is no, there is actually no happy ending anymore. Oh, that's <laughs> sad. We're back. We're gone back to the beginning again.
0: When when are you putting that documentary out? It sounds amazing.
1: Um, it would be out. Like I said, at the moment, it, it, the whole ending's changed. So I should imagine sometime this year we had a, we had a plan to show a load of film festivals this year with lots of different interests. With you know, with you know, it was it, yeah, it was the it was a crowning glory, and it just again, it the curse of the dub has come back to um, buy us on the uh, bottom. Well, I guess I guess it's not like I guess that
0: it's just a pause. Like you're the, the you've still got that fan, like you've still got that massive fan base. You've still got you know that. A new new out. Like you like say you've got three albums. You've got the potential to go live whenever you want, and you can,
1: yeah. Yeah, hopefully, if they find a cure. I mean, I can. can you see, I, I mean, I've been doing a few interviews today, and 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 I've always I'm probably one of the most optimistic people you'll ever meet. And I've always, you know, even through this, I kind of thought, yeah, it won't last that long. It will be, we'll be out by Christmas but i'm seeing our industry decimated mm. you know i'm seeing more and more and, I, and I, i'm not sure what the long-term effects are going to be and when what is our roadmap out of this and when are we going to actually be able to get back into the kind of numbers where you can have 20 thirty thousand people in a field or 1500 to 2000 people in a club shoulder mm. to shoulder i, I and how many venues are going to be left? How many festivals aren't going to be bankrupt? I, I can see a whole roadmap, and I don't mean to be pessimistic because, like I said, I'm the most optimistic person you said. But suddenly, I'm starting to think about the long term future, and I'm starting to worry. Yeah, so,
0: I what, yeah, I am as well. Like, I, like I I'm, I'm optimistic as well, and I'm. And, but every time I think of it, it's like, well, unless there's a cure, then then what? Like then.
1: Then, where do we go? How do we go from here? And and obviously, again, the way that I know there was, I know the Arts Council had given everybody a a low, you know, some people um, grants and things like that, and that's helped them. Whether or not that's gone into the right places, musicians have been told to train, retrain.
0: Yeah, that's Um, just ridiculous.
1: Handyman C, and um, I I just, you know.
0: Would you, so I guess, like, what, from a from an album point of view, I guess we don't know when this is when you can go out again. Would you do the ticketed ticketed live
1: streams? I've considered it, and it's something that I've been looking into quite a lot, um, and something I haven't ruled out. Again, it was something I was going to do once we realised we couldn't do it. I was going to do one for the album mm. um, launch. I'm not ruling it out because I. First of all I was ruling it out and first of all I was ruling out socially distanced gigs because mm-hmm. I thought this dub pistol shows are very high energy mm-hmm. and we need a very much rely on a crowd and we very much rely on interaction mm-hmm. and crowd misbehaviour. Um <laughs> I couldn't see how that would ever work sitting down. Um but now I miss gigging so much I would, you know, I wouldn't rule out anything.
0: Yeah, I guess from a band show you could you could you could have, you could do it in one venue and then stream to just different parts. Literally, do a world tour from one venue. Uh,
1: I think that's the roadmap that everybody's looking at. Yeah, um, that, you know, and everybody's looking at. And I know some bands have made an absolute fortune from doing so. Hmm. Um, like I said, Dub Pistols definitely need. You know, we're a band that are very interactive. That are yeah. very, we feed off the crowd as much as, 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 as they feed off us. So. Um, not having that interaction would definitely affect our performance. Whether or not that would be better, because mm. we might be a little more focused, <laughs> is is open to debate. But, yep. you know, um, it's, I'm not going to rule out anything because I want to perform.
0: Yeah. Let, let's uh, I try to go gig. How do you make your, like, how, like from, a, from a production point of view, are you, how does it all come together in an album? Is it instruments I, and guitars and drums and
1: yeah I, I mean obviously i'm quite lucky to be surrounded by a fantastic bunch of musicians um mm-hmm. you know um tim who plays horns and um various different albums for us um he's a multi-talented musicianist and, and and plays multi-multi-instrumentation he plays like you know he's written tracks for grimova marda mm-hmm. uh, prodigy etc dave and fantastic bass player Um, So so I'm surrounded by fantastic musicians. I generally come up with an idea. Every poet's a thief, I think, um, whether subconsciously or unconsciously. um, You know, there's only so many chords, there's only so many notes, and there's only something, of course you were influenced by something you heard. So I'll come up with an idea, like I said, whether it's subconscious or unconscious, Mm. and start building an idea and... uh, then I'll start. Then I'll send it off to very, you know, Tim or Dave or whoever to add the instrumentation to the parts that I've written mm-hmm. or we've written, and then um, then it will go to a vocalist or the vocalist will come to us and we'll sit down and we'll write the lyrics together, or they'll write them, and then we'll get into the studio and write, and then we'll carry on the production. After that, I'm quite lucky that I've got someone like King Youth or Billy Burroughs, Zero B that, you know, um, come down and engineer it to a level that makes it much better than I could.
0: Nice. That's interesting. That's cool.
1: I'm not um, a uh, Laurie. <laughs> no, it's a team effort. You know, it's a team effort. I, I think it's better. I, I think the good thing about the dub pistol, dub pistols is myself. Mm. But like I said, um, there's a lot of people that I work with, and the good thing is you. Could, I found out very early on when you were in a band. Um, there's a big problem with being in a band. It's called chefs too many, mm. um, and so. Um, Ultimately, the Dub Pistols is myself and I have the ultimate decision on what we're doing. But it means that everybody else can come in and be creative without having to be so creative that you end up having a (laughs) punch-up. If that makes sense, it's like they can go off and make their own songs and write their own things and do their own things. Whereas Dub Pistols, they can come in, write and advise me, but they don't have to, you know, it doesn't... You're not suddenly all standing there with like a fader each. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's so they can come in and give an input and then I can move around. I don't have to be so precious about it.
0: Yes. No faders at dawn.
1: If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, what is your... What's your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it?
1: Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I've made so many mistakes. I don't think you ever stop... Making mistakes Um, God, where do I start with mistakes? It'd be easier to say the things I did right Um, (laughs) um, Probably listening to people And believing people know better than you I.e. record companies and things like that Where Um you know, when, when you first get signed to a major record company or you get your first deal and they're telling you to do things and you think, well, they know what they're talking about, even though you don't agree with it because, you, because they sell loads of records and this is what they do. Mm-hmm. And then you go along and you listen to what they say, even though it was against everything that you actually thought of or believed in. And then it all goes completely tits up and... Uh, then the only person you know and, and ultimately they'll always blame you anyway and you'll get dropped mm-hmm. but um the thing that i've learned is that at least if i make mistakes or if i do what i actually believe in the only person i can blame is myself <clears throat> you know and ultimately you know it, yeah to listening to other people too much um and i mean again it's very hard because they now um For many years, I've only just taken on management again. I honestly believe there's only 20% of the blame left now. Mm. Um, You know, whereas, you know, a good manager before would add 20% of it. It's, I think it's just, it's just learning to trust in yourself, you know, and, and not necessarily believe that other people are doing what you think they were doing. When you take a manager on, you think, oh, that's okay. They're all doing that, but they ain't, you know what I mean? It's like, you've got to make sure you've got everything covered mistakes.
0: I guess. You know, I guess knowing a lot of the parts as well, that the, knowing the kind of whole industry as well, so that you the, you know that they. Well, those... the
1: thing is now, ever have getting to my age, um, having made every painful mistake that I possibly can, um, that you know, it's very hard because you know, kind of every, the way things should be. You know what I mean? It's like you know, um, y- you know the business, so you just you know. Whereas before, I think you don't know when you first start, you don't know the business and you're learning and you're listening and those people actually, and you think they all really know and they don't, they're all making it up as well. Um,
0: <laughs> oh, so, um, those people are.
1: And mistakes I've made. Um, believe the hype. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, when you first start out and you start, everybody's telling you you're great and, uh, Everybody, you know, is telling you it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And um,
0: I, I saw something online this the other day that said if you can't hear the cheers, you can't hear the boos, and I thought that's quite nice.
1: Oh, yeah. well, like I said, to you—the only times I remember are the bad ones, really. Um, you know, and I, just you've just got to learn to do your. Um, learn about your craft and remember people are paying to come and see you because i know for so 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 many years that everything i with being in a band i honestly thought it was sex drugs and rock and roll that's what for me being in a band was that's what it was supposed to be mm. so i spent most of my life shit faced um and you know used to go and broke my legs three times on stage um you know wanted to be the highest person in the building um, that was how I thought that I was going to perform. And the shows were absolutely shambolic. You know, it was like, and it weren't till things really, really, really came to a head. That I, and my friends turned around to me after one show, I can't remember if it was Bestival or somewhere that we played. And it was, I think I'd been thrown out of the country the week before. And um, then we went to Bestival and we got, to, we got the honour of closing the, festival after the prodigy to 50,000 people yeah. and i just wasn't fit for purpose and um you know i think i played three songs told everyone what they could do with themselves and walked off um <laughs> you know a lot of people thought that that was part of the show and all cheered and nobody knew any of the better but i remember my friend came around at me barry that's really that's that's like I'm so embarrassed for you mate and if you are enjoying doing it mate you may as well stop because that that's people that come to see you and that's just embarrassing mm. so it was after it was after that week that we literally um half the band got fired um half the band went into rehab and um we took like nearly a year off and within a year, we'd come back and we could actually perform and play and enjoyed it. And with, with the next three years, we kind of won best UK live act at various different awards. So, um, do you think
0: you can get away with that less now? Just from a, like from a social media point of view, and you, there's, you can't get away with uh, being being um, essentially uh, playing yes. shit and being faced up uh, shit faced because it's just it will be plastered everywhere quickly.
1: Well, I guess it depends because it can work. Some people like it, you know. I mean, I, think, well, I remember when I did actually straighten my act up, people complained that I wasn't, where is your crazy drunk man? You know, it's like. <laughs> some people, well, it was, you know, so, but no, I mean, I, I, I look back now and I, I look at videos, and obviously, like you say, everything is recorded and every moment is recorded. And so, um, It's very painful when you look at yourself back and you see how embarrassingly bad you were. Mm. Um, And I definitely do think social media has made you step up your game because you will be caught.
0: Basically, on on my YouTube channel, I have a section called Five Things Producers Need to Know. So I thought I'd ask you your five things producers need to know.
1: Um, Five things producers need to know. You're not always right. Mm -hmm. You know... um, Don't take trunks when you're uh, trying to record because it might sound amazing at the time, but it will sound terrible in the morning. (laughs) The amount of times I spent a whole night in a studio. um, And this was going back in the early days and we used to sleep under the mixing desk. And uh, when the gear ran out and it was like, this was brilliant. And then when we woke up in the morning, it was unlistenable. So (laughs) i not take loads of gear and make records because it doesn't work. Um,
0: I've got I've got a funny story about uh, I'll tell you afterwards,
1: but it's
0: basically we, we did something with the Happy Mondays. At, we I used to work for a nightclub call, nightclub called Turn and we yeah. did some stuff. We so I used to we,
1: play down there all the time. Turn Mills, right? yes. So social nights down there all the time.
0: Ah, so uh, yes. Yeah, so yeah, so we used to. So we basically reformed the Happy Mondays at one point, and uh, we'd come into work, and Dave, uh, the engineer, would be like, he would be under the mixing desk, and he'd be like, Sean gave me some paste, and I'm, I've not slept for three days, and.
1: And we were like, are you okay? Well, you know, like, I mean, that was, I mean, but it was the Mondays um, that got me into the actual belief that I could be in a band. Oh, really? And it wasn't because they were the best band in the world, because they clearly wasn't, but they (laughs) were so... um, And Bez and me are now really good friends. He's just done my wing walk. But they, it was, it was something about that live performance that was so on the edge, mm. and that was the one, and that's, where, and also was the one that got me on the wrong path because that was where I actually went into that belief that if I was the highest built person in the building, as they were, that that's what people would get off of. and that's mm. where I, how I started my career. Do you know what I mean? It was very much. <laughs> I was in a band called Deja Vu, and we wanted to be London's answer to um, to the Happy Mondays, but we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I think the closest that band that ever came to that were flowered up. I don't know if you remember flowered up. Yeah,
0: we had them I did a festival we did, I put a festival put a festival on called uh Get Loaded in the Park and we had we we had flowered up uh on the second night. They were year. bloody
1: nightly, weren't they? Jez and that were really good mates of mine and Barry Mooncult who put That's on, it. possibly one of the best ever parties I went to um in a squat in um I think it was Hampstead. It was the biggest, hugest mansion. It went for two days before the police took us (laughs) off. Um, That was just incredible. Um, But they were the only answer. And the Weekender, probably one of my favourite tracks of all. That's it.
0: Yeah, that's it. I've got it on vinyl somewhere. I just, I was just just trying to remember what that track was. And and Weekender. Yeah, that's it. That's it's that's an amazing track. That record.
1: Uh, Clive Langham produced it. He produced all of Madness's stuff. And um, and. Whiz, a good friend of mine directed it. The, the video was what fifteen minutes long. It was like weekend, um, like quadruphonia, basically, wasn't it? That's sort right. It's, it's,
0: it's, yeah, listeners, go on, listen to that record, flowered up, weekender. It's so, an incredible track.
1: Thank you. Uh, so like, all right, so we're we're two in of the five. So what's what's our number three? Um, don't believe the hype. Yeah, like I said, never believe that you're bigger than you. Um, than you are um pay attention to as you were talking about earlier and whether or not it's your social media or everything and and the business side of it you know just make sure you've got all that set up um really hard to uh, producing i don't know just oh i don't know Tell tell you what never try to copy anybody never try to be a follower if you've heard a record um, because it's in the charts. And I see so many of my friends and successful DJs and successful bands that suddenly they hear something and they want that to be their next sound. The thing is, if you're ever a um, follower and you're trying to copy something, one, it would have gone on by the time you finished that record, the scene would have moved on. So always just be true to yourself and go do what you believe in. Don't ever try to sound like anybody else. And don't try to make the latest sound that people are listening to because by the time your tracks come out, that sound's already gone. Agreed. If that 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 can make any sense. And then the final one, number five. Let's go for it. Number five. Um... In terms of whether it's production or if it's terms of the industry, then I would suggest you look at alternative ways now of putting out your music. I.e., you don't need to be signed to a major record label anymore. Um, look at other platforms away from Spotify, either if it's Bandcamp or whatever, or other other platforms where, um, say, like Orchard or Cartel, where you'll get a much bigger percent percentage to uh, run your own record label and put your own product out yourself and you'll get a higher percentage and um you'll be doing it all yourself and it'll be for yourself you still need a you still need a plugger you still need a good publicist you still need uh, you know good people around you but you'll get a much bigger role you'll own the master and uh, you'll be around a lot longer
0: that's that's a great last tip for those that we don't want to know a plugger is a radio plugger for those that listeners that don't know yeah
1: yeah, just... you've got to have you've got to have someone who's who's in who's doing the plug up, <clears throat> plug in. You've got to have a good publicist, and like I said, but you know you don't necessarily need to be with a major anymore. I know. think that
0: I think that radio support now is so much like because of the current situation, the radio support is like across the globe is so vital at the moment, you know.
1: It is, but then you've got to remember that radio stations are changing. You know, Radio 1 isn't as big as it was. There's so many different other platforms now. So, you know, it, it's it's just making sure that you have someone whose who's fingers on the pulse in terms of where mm-hmm. it's going to go now. I mean, you don't necessarily getting on Radio 1 isn't a big deal, you know, it's, and, and, and the same 6 Music is, is kind of cool, but there's so many other radio stations and so many other avenues to explore. One more thing for producers is never Oh we got oh we got a Brucey bonus. Yeah, a little Brucey bonus. No, just never forget why you do it. And you know, don't ever let money be your god. You you make music and you're in the industry because you love it. And as long as you're doing it because you love it and because it is what you enjoy then that you will never get, you know, that is the biggest, 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 most important thing. Never let it be money that drives you. Never let it be fame that drives you. you. Do it because you love the music. And it's that's that's going to make you happy because the rest of it will be a lot of hard work and a lot of pain.
0: That's a great Brucey bonus. There you
1: go. Thank you. No. Did you, did, you, did, you, did you know that we had a serial killer in... Um, as our bus driver no please no it'll come out in the documentary so i'll just give you a tip we were touring um across europe um with a very well known artist and while we were sound checking our um tour driver was going off and picking up prostitutes murdering and putting them in our bus um that's a true story and not a very change your us end on a high note
0: wow that's mad i don't know where to go from that <laughs>
1: That's a true story. And, and and the thing was, we shook his hand and said, you know, thank you for looking after us safely. And, and the bodies were in the bus, and then he'd drop them off when we were sound checking at the next venue and pick up another one.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's horrible.
1: Rock and roll, baby.
0: Oh, okay. That was good. That was fun. <laughs> thank you, Barry. Thank you for joining me on the podcast this week. My pleasure. That was really good fun.
1: Thank you.
0: Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have please go if you're listening to an apple podcast please go and give it a rating give it a thumbs up share it it really helps the podcast grow on apple podcasts and goes help it goes up the chart which means we can get bigger guests with bigger numbers and which gives you more information and more tips thanks so much again for joining us i hope you enjoyed it i'll see you next time have a great farmer Bye bye